0: Top Sugar's Love Rants is brought to you by Yuli, an innovative online healthcare platform exclusively for women that says buck that to the traditional healthcare system. Get online and get faster access to women's health and medicine by visiting yuli.com.au. Hello and welcome to Pop Sugar's Love Rants. Before we begin, I'd like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land in which we're recording and pay our respects to elders past, present, and emerging. I'm Melissa Mason, a journalist, podcaster, and the host of Love Rants. We're here to have conversations that get to the heart of various topics that fall under the broad umbrella of love, sex, and relationships. Throughout this series, I'll sit down with someone different as we navigate the vulnerability, embarrassment, and preciousness of love and self love. Welcome back to Love Rants everybody. I am your host Melissa Mason. I am here every week, but as always every week I have a different guest and this week it is my friend April Ellen Horton, also known as the Bodzilla. You may recognize her from Instagram. She is a total powerhouse also TikTok, Threads, we we're just talking about Threads. She's on there. Where else are you, <laughs> April? <laughs>
1: Oh, I think that will do actually. I feel like I'm (laughs) I'm that person who I'm like, how many platforms is too many platforms?
0: (laughs) (laughs) The limit does not exist as they would say in Mean Girls. The limit does not exist.
1: (laughs) Well, I think it's hilarious to me that you're like, and TikTok. I'm like, I think I've posted precisely nine TikToks (laughs) in my life, but I've decided that that's a thing. I've decided I'm going to just go ahead and be an unhinged girly on the internet and just kind of, yeah,
0: let all of my personas run wild on the various, various platforms. As you should, because I love your content. You are so, oh, I I remember when I first like found you, because I remember when we met, we met at an event, but I was already like mildly obsessed with you. And I think I said to you, hi, I just started following you on Instagram, I'm mildly obsessed with you.
1: (laughs) And I was
0: because like, just, thank you.
1: He was yeah. like, what do you say to that? <laughs> I, know, I know. I think we cheered. I think we cheered our little drinky, our little lunchtime drinky drinks and we were like, yeah. well, that's lovely. Cheers. And then we sat down and had a long, in-depth conversation with some other people who probably were like, what is going on with these two? They're just literally in love. Um, oh, I my remember gosh. exactly <laughs> what you were wearing and what your hair looked like, everything. I'm just like, okay, Daisy Jones. Like, really?
0: Oh, um, my favourite compliment. Yeah, the,
1: such <laughs> Such a long time ago now.
0: I know, I know. But like, yeah, I'm like, I'm always unhinged when I meet people. I don't know how to, like, (laughs) I was saying this to a friend the other day, you know, when you meet someone's partner and you've heard about them a lot but you haven't yet met them. Like often it's someone who's like been with their partner a long time, but you've just become friends with them. So you've heard about this partner a lot. And then whenever I meet that partner, I'm too friendly. Like I'm like, oh my gosh, hi. And I like give them a big hug because I feel like I know them, but I don't. Overly
1: familiar. And they're like, sorry, who's this? And you're like, (laughs) "Oh, oh, that's right. You're a source of much conversation, but not the other way around.
0: Which yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> you don't know me. <laughs> it's probably
1: would probably be actually more frightening if the partner of a friend was like, Oh yeah, I know about yeah. you.
0: You're like, Why? Yeah. What did they tell you? What oh, do I, Melissa I do? Mason, um, You'd be like, What? Yeah. That, old. <laughs> <laughs> that girl. Um, yes, but yes, look, we we yeah, we fell in love and now we're great friends and you're just fantastic. And you're also, I just think you to me and maybe you don't think this about yourself and that's something we can discuss, but I see you very much as someone who, you know, has has really gotten to this point where you've risen above a lot of the crap that we still believe about ourselves as women, that we still kind of have internal dialogues with ourselves about as women. And I sort of wanted to discuss that as a a concept because I think you'd be really interesting, you'll have a really interesting take on it. Because something that I'm struggling with at the moment or have honestly have been struggling with since the dawn of time, but particularly I think the older that I get and the wiser that I get, at least I like to think I'm getting wiser, this push-pull between who I want to be as a woman, which is, you know, I guess, like empowered and like thriving and, and really like happy with myself, loving myself, making decisions based on what I want and how I feel about myself. Um, and, and, you know, kind of like being in a relationship that is extremely well balanced in terms of like the input and the mental load and all of that stuff. And also this giant wall that I feel like is there that is built of all of the stuff that kind of came from our childhood and our teen years and even like, you know, a couple of years ago or ye- yesterday, which is just this constant like, I don't know, like I, we grew up with the most toxic diet culture. I feel like we're only now really looking back at it and going, wow, we really used to call Jessica Simpson fat and she was like a size eight, you know, like we were so, so brutal on the celebrities back then and then obviously on ourselves. Um, you know, we had parents who were like, you can be anything, you know, women can do anything, but then we still had mothers who were like the primary homemaker, the primary parent. And that was just a given. Um, and then, you know, I even just think about like all my jobs, like going through into like meetings and it was just like some man mansplaining stuff to me or talking over me or just like repurposing my words for his own point. And, and that's just like a constant, like constant thing as women. Um, and so I, I see that as the wall, right? And then there's just me like kind of banging against it constantly and trying to like dismantle it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think from my like from my point of view, I think when we consider what is holding us back or what is stopping us from moving forward because those two things can be quite different. you know what mm. what holds us back is often what we believe about ourselves and then what stops us from moving forward is what other people believe. Mm. So I think that for for us, especially, you know, you know, I thank you for the very great compliment of saying that you think that I perhaps am embodying some of that ev- evolved <laughs> womanhood. Um, yeah, <laughs> I think that I think that it's really you know that's that's a it's nice to feel that that's what's being seen about me because it is something that I strive for. I mm. think that I you know I'm a person who lives with a lot of privilege. I am a cis person who is queer, but in a relationship with you know, a cis man. So I I experience quite a lot of, in terms of patriarchal narratives and, you know, heteronormative kind of expectations of society, I'm still living up to lots of those expectations. So I'm not being subjected to queerphobia or Mm. to bias based on that, even though I know what my identity is. I think as a parent I am stumbling through, like everybody does, um, to raise someone who sees being an evolved person as the norm, you know I don't want to I don't want to project ideas like I had ideas projected onto me. Um, mm. And so I try to just really embrace, Anything that, that my child observes around the house or around different people and to dispel things when uh, inevitably they do come home from school with, oh, this person said this. And I'm like, well, that person's mum and dad clearly don't know what they're talking about. Um, <laughs> And, you know, try to say that without worrying that
0: then that's going to get repeated. Your mum doesn't
1: know what she's yeah. talking about. Um, You know, it's
0: risky. It's a risky That business. must be so <laughs> hard. I always think about this like when I was in school and the amount of times you just like parrot back what your parents said to you to yeah. the other kid yeah. who would probably go home and parrot it back to their parents
1: <laughs> literally and that's any and there's anything right so if you have yeah. a house where your kid is allowed to you know um wh- where your where your family can kind of move around the house without being particularly prudish about clothing or you know are uh, open about things like um you know uh, h- hygiene and menstruation and all of those mm. of things you're like what of this is going to the (laughs) schoolyard when I'm having a conversation with my kid about periods? What of that is being told to his little friends at school? And I'm like, oh, you know what? I just can't worry about this. Um, I have to just be able to do what I need to do. So I guess to your point around existing as someone who tries to strive for an evolved self or a continuation of you know, becoming a better person each day, knowing better and doing better, um, but also being surrounded by the ongoing narratives that patriarchy, diet culture, um, white supremacy have told us. I think the Mm. only thing you can really do is be as strong in your beliefs as you possibly can be at every possible moment. So Mm. when someone at work says something that's Fat phobic. I'm like, ooh, oh, we're not going to say that, are we? You know, oh, mm. we don't say that. Um, You know, being that – and, yes, you have to be willing to be a person that you yourself 10 years ago would have hated, I think, because 10 yeah, years ago I know yeah. I would have been like, oh, shut up. Let me just say what I want to say. You don't get it. You know, like the bad opinions that I have had in the past and the, the total lack of awareness of my own privilege,
0: mm. I know that
1: the me I am today would have grated – deeply
0: on the me I was 10 years ago. Yeah, absolutely. I was thinking about this recently because I just, I just did this, um, I wrote this story about like weight loss conversations because I was just so shocked. Like I just started really noticing all these people around me just celebrating their weight loss. Like I lost two kilos or look, look at me in these fitting into these shorts from when I was 18. And like, I'm telling you, it was probably like honestly, probably like two weeks before I even started noticing that, that I was doing the same stuff in my head. Like it's not that long ago that I had – toxic, like I still have toxic ideas about things or like beliefs in myself or like ways of seeing the world or, or you know, and whatever that I I, I cringe at. Like every year I feel like I look back and I'm like cringing at, at things that I thought or just attitudes that I had just subconsciously in there or consciously. Um, but it is interesting because it's like I just, I just feel like it's not just all that stuff from when we were younger, right? Like it's still to this day, like you said, like you're kind of when you step up and you kind of go i'm going to question this or i'm going to kind of like call someone out on saying something or doing something that i don't feel is right yeah like it, there's still a lot of pushback
1: yeah absolutely and look i even you know having a conversation with someone recently i quit alcohol and caffeine for a couple of months recently um still off caffeine If you were with me on the weekend, you'll know I definitely haven't maintained the quitting of alcohol. (laughs) Um, But somebody actually said, a good friend who's someone I always, I know is really very much shares my beliefs in terms of um, body image and diet culture and that kind of thing. And she said, oh, my God, you're going to lose so much weight. And I Mm. just stared at her. Like I just looked like, are you actually okay? And she looked at me and she's like, I don't know why I said that. And I was yes. like, me, the yep. babe. Like that, yes, that innate, you know, like it's like breathing. To mm-hmm. just it be is like, like oh, breathing. Well, like, it, yeah, which is proof that it's so insidious that someone could say that and I know for a fact that she's the kind of person who doesn't believe in the value of, you know, thinness over um fatness or you know, you know, like I do, I was just genuinely like, you what? Like I couldn't respond. <laughs> I was just just gobsmacked and she was also like oh my god what's wrong with me I was like yeah dude I don't know man but like that's 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 proof to me that even the most you know we're using the word evolved whatever word you want to use to describe having moved past or trying to move beyond things that harm us like you know diet culture and 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 patriarchal narratives about what's good I think we we have literally taken it in so deeply to our very core that it's almost impossible. You have to be conscious of everything you're thinking and everything you're mm. saying. There, the subconscious mind, even of someone like me or or the people that I like to spend time with, who are like literally smash the patriarchy every day and etc. You know, talking about um, removing fatphobic bias from the media, whatever it might be, from fashion. We still have to be able to go, but also I had a weird thought about how much food I ate today.
0: Yeah, like, yeah. There's no
1: there's no escaping it, you know, and and I think it really comes to the fore, like most things, you know, I, I don't want to overuse the term, but I think it is, can be described as having been quite traumatic for some people, what they went through especially in younger years in relation mm. to diets and body image and conversations about their bodies with loved ones. And I think when we're feeling vulnerable or unwell or maybe like a little bit mentally kind of unstable, shall we say, like, we, you know, in times when things are difficult and you're feeling a bit like, wow, my brain, my brain is barely hanging on to reality right now, um, which is, you know, more common than you think, I think, in terms of how we're affected by, News and events, um, things that are not uncovered about our bodies because of the lack of um, consideration in healthcare. People who suffer mm. from BMDD who really struggle with um, cyclical issues with mental stability and health. Like I think, being able to go, yes, I have felt mentally well for an extended period of time, is really something that most of us, hopefully, realise is quite a quite, you know, unusual. I think we're all yeah. going through a lot. You know, I think yep. um, Sam Leighton uh book, wow, it's all a lot. I was like, that's a summary and a half, to be honest, you yeah. know, um, and that, that, that book is so incredible. It's filled with such joy and lightness, but it's such a, also a beautiful acknowledgement of the true difficulties. And I think some people would say it was naff to say, oh, you know, you got through today and that's all you can do. But honestly, that is all you can do sometimes. And that in itself is being a little bit more engaged with thinking about things that are more than just what we've been taught to consider about what's good what's valuable you know rest and self-care and self-love and all these overused terms that mean different things to different people but at the end of the day if if we have realized that we're worth resting and that resting is part of taking care of ourselves and being a productive person then that's a big step forward I think
0: yeah absolutely um I wanted to go back because we, we missed it and you 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 dropped a pearler and then we <laughs> moved on to all our other and then I just kept going on and on that's it <laughs> and yeah, I kept being like yeah. reminding myself like go back to that Mel Mel go back to that you said and I hope that I say this correctly that it's your own thoughts that hold you back but it's other mm-hmm. people's attitudes that prevent you from moving forward is that correct? Yeah. Can you expand on that? Because that is interesting.
1: Woo, yeah. Listen to me, you just <laughs> dropping dropping these pearls. <laughs> I told um, you it was a pearl. <laughs> yeah. I um. I think the idea is what holds you back, you know, what stops you from stepping out the front door in the morning feeling like, okay, I can take on this day is what you believe about yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, you have, you wake up in the morning and you, obviously we know that there's lots of, reasons and influences, even in our own homes that might have us feeling a certain kind of way before the day really starts. But once you step out the door and you're like, okay, I've decided that I'm going to feel this certain way. That's my mood. That's what I'm embodying. That's what I'm here for. And then you get to, in my case, perhaps like a corporate workplace And I might be ready, you know, axe in hand to just smash down the next barrier towards whether it's like a career progression or an opportunity that's usually only given to, you know, men. But if other people are not there seeing me and my value and the fact that I am a force, then Mm. I can't do anything about that. And I think... I recently spoke about um, the fact that I attended a doctor's appointment and had the most hideous experience of fat phobia mm. probably mm-hmm. that I've ever had In with, the, I suppose, the conscious knowledge of it. So probably not the worst conversation I've ever had with a doctor about my body, but definitely the worst one I've had since I've realised that that's just not on. It's not okay for yeah. people to talk about us like this. And when I say us, I mean people um, who are fat. And I think that... That experience to me was a really good example. I turned up to that appointment and I was like just prior to going into the appointment, I was like, God, I look hot today. Um, you know, mm-hmm. I was loving my outfit. I'd filmed a reel in the morning of my outfit because that's how, it, you know, awesome I thought it was. Yeah. Feeling really good about myself and had a good day at work, achieved some things, done some stuff, moved a few mountains. And then I had this doctor's appointment. I walked in there and I came out feeling like a sad 15-year-old and I cried mm-hmm. for hours in my bed.
0: Yeah.
1: About how it made me feel. And so that to me, I stepped out of the house. None of my beliefs were holding me back, but that barrier was there to me accessing, um, you know, healthcare that actually involved real care because that person held beliefs about me and that meant she didn't want to engage with me in the way that I was ready to engage.
0: Yeah. It is just wild how like, you know, we're still in this day and age where like doctors – can like like just feel comfortable saying things and treating people in ways that are like almost like in inhumane, I would say, and and particularly yeah. women, um, you know, and 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 obviously like you're in a vulnerable position when you go to a doctor, like that's a position of power that they're in. Mm-hmm. Um, I do, I, yeah. There needs to be such an overhaul, just in general, of the medical Australian medical system, like. I I personally find it in mental health, like just the, the difficulty of getting mental health care of like the amount of times that you go and someone just decides that you're not, you know, unwell enough to, you know, be yeah. treated at that point in time or like, you know, we're just going to let you wait for like three to six weeks before you can get a psychologist appointment or whatever and um, just this like yeah. lack of belief but also just the way that there's not that realisation of that vulnerability that it can put somebody into. Um, just from one experience. Um, But look, so what do you do then? Because then if if other people like that, because that obviously like had a massive impact on you, even though you'd gone in there with like such high confidence within yourself that day. So like it's kind of not just as simple as we need to love ourselves because I think that's the messaging that we get kind of in society at the moment is like you need to believe in Mm. yourself. You need to like, you know, love your body and, and love and believe that you can be the CEO of the company, but it's not that simple, right? (laughs) Yeah. You can't
1: love your way out of a medical system that hates you. You can't love your body into ethical healthcare. Um, and I think, and it's important, I think also to acknowledge like, yes, my fatness, um, is an issue for me in that, in that scenario. I can't imagine what would have happened if I'd gone to that appointment as perhaps, you know, um, a dark-skinned person of colour, an Indigenous Mm -hmm. person, a trans person, Mm -hmm. a person with a visible disability Um, because even within that situation I still understood that I had privilege even while feeling like I was literally on fire, that my emotions were Mm. going every which way and, yes, it had a huge impact on me and that lasted for several weeks Um, and I... I, you know, I spoke to some friends about it. I spoke to my psychologist about it. Um, I'm really lucky that I have access to both a supportive circle of friends, <clears throat> excuse me, and and also um, mental health care from a professional who, you know, was shared my outrage, um, which was validating, and mm. then was able to say, I am not going to see that doctor anymore. So yep. I think handling that for me looked like, deciding what I was going to do deciding how much energy I was going to put into it when I left that appointment I was like what do I do what do I do like you know and I said to my friends I'm going to go back in there and I'm going to say listen I don't you know appreciate whatever and then I spoke to someone who happens to know this same doctor in our local area
0: Mm. and
1: the feedback that I got was essentially yeah she treats every fat person like that and I was like you know what I actually don't think that there's value in me going in there and stressing myself out to have a conversation with a person who's committed to misunderstanding fat people. Mm. I'm better off finding a new doctor and telling every fat person I know, don't see that doctor, see this doctor. Uh, It's not, and that's about, I suppose, again, that evolution past, wanting to take action and wanting to agitate for change and wanting to be like, I can change this and being like, do you know what, I probably can't and I could do a lot more with this action than that action. So what I did, um, you know, I had to have blood tests following that, um, appointment. So I did that. And when I got the message to be like, this doctor would like to see you, I rang the practice and I was like, hi, I got the thing about, um, the follow up appointment about my results. And they were like, oh, would you like to see this doctor? I said, no, I absolutely would not like to see that doctor. Who else can I see? And that was Mm. all I did because I was like, they can know or not know that that person you know, is, is causing an issue for me. Lots of people I know really like her, you know, in our local area, lots of us are just, you know, using the same services. And I've had good things said to me about this doctor, which is why I went to see her. And I'm just kind of like, I'll do more good sharing my experience with people in real life and being like, oh, if you're looking for a really good doctor, I know one rather than, you know, making a scene about how terrible she was. Because I just think at the end of the day, you're right. The powers of you know, being a doctor in that scenario, the the staff who work for that, that doctor surgery or the other doctors are not necessarily going to take my part in that. So uh, I, I recognize and I I definitely felt strongly. I was like, well, but I'm the Godzilla. Isn't it my job to like fix this for Mm, other people?
0: Yeah. Wow. Yeah.
1: And then I had to be like, okay, but isn't it also my role to take care of me so I can keep doing the stuff that really matters that you know, is going to add a lot of value because a futile conversation with a doctor who just does not want to hear what I have to say is only going to hurt me and not add value. So I made a choice not to, to I guess, take it down that path. Um, and yeah. that could change. That could change. You know, I, I get fired up pretty easily. So, but um, I think know, that's, that's what's really change. interesting
0: because I think that, like, exactly what you said there, like, you felt like because you – are somebody who has really spoken up and spoken out about things and and really stood stood your ground against like a lot of like real like waves really of like, you know, terrible social attitudes that we have still in Australia. But, you know, it's actually like not – like I think that this is something really interesting that we do with a lot of people who are, you know, either in a minority or have, you know, people with disability, people who um, like people of colour. We particularly did it with people of colour around Black Lives Matter was like you, you should, you know, talk on this and you should say this and you should do this. And it's like putting yourself into this constant position where you're walking into something that's going to hurt you in a very vulnerable part of yourself. Like that's actually not anybody's job. And like obviously like I think it is so like impactful when people do, um, you know, speak on, the subjects and, and kind of, you know, really provide education and stuff, but it's also not anyone's job. And it's really weird that we like expect and put this pressure on people to, um, and, and on ourselves, I think to go into really, um, har- like, yeah, like, cause that would have really harmed you. And like you said, like, this is obviously a doctor who, if, if they're doing this to multiple, like, to, like, as your friends said, every fat person that you know, that's seen them, is it actually going to, you know, progress anything for you to say to them hey this was really you know like they're probably just gonna speak back at you and be like oh you're just being dramatic or something and yeah but you can have Mm. so much more power by spreading a a message to other people in a way that's not going to put you into another harmful experience I suppose
1: yeah and I think that was I suppose that came from having the conversation with my friends and my friends kind of being like what advice would you give to someone that's not you about this mm. situation because mm. you deserve to be able to experience a safe environment and you're not yeah it's not your job as you as you say it's not your job to harm yourself for the, for Especially if you think it probably won't work. If you thought it was going to work, that's the difference between change-making and futile agitation, I think, and knowing that actually making a song and dance about something harmful, especially when you have the energy to, um, you know, that applies really across allyship I think you know when you have the very great privilege of not actually being the person harmed by a situation that's probably when you have the most energy to argue about it so Mm. or to amplify the messages about it but for me I'm like this is actually something that psychologically I came out of that situation feeling unsafe and feeling deeply distressed and why Mm. would I volunteer to do that, I wouldn't tell somebody else, go back into the lion's den, get eaten up. So why would I do that? And I think mm. that's about, I suppose, the standards we hold ourselves to. And and that goes all the way back to what we were talking about at the start around the beliefs that we hold about ourselves and what when we make a choice about going, I know I'm going to come up against a barrier. My belief about myself is that I'm worth more than putting myself in harm's way. So I'm going to just take a left turn here and just not deal with that barrier.
0: Now we just want to take a moment to share about our sponsor, Yuli. Yuli is saying buck that to the traditional healthcare system by offering a hassle-free online service that empowers women with a modern approach to discreet, convenient healthcare and medicine. Get faster access to medical certificates, treatments and prescriptions like the contraceptive pill, emergency contraception such as the morning after pill, acne treatments, weight management, sexual health. And I suppose it also comes back to what you were baking. saying about, and it's you all know, delivered to your like door or the balance between the innovative online pushing, I guess, so and say like really like, you know, Exerting your energy Uli to at dismantle stuff and, and, to get and making stands and, and speaking up and that sort of thing. And the balance of taking rest and 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 giving yourself time, like and giving yourself that kind of, I guess, empathy as well to to be someone that will make mistakes and and also someone that needs to have downtime where they're not pushing. And I think of this in workplaces, right? I think women, obviously, we have to work so much harder to get ahead in a workplace, um, particularly in male-dominated fields or in, you know, I always think of, like, those real big – I always think big business, worst ever. Anything where I've worked in, like, a massive corporation, it's just, like, the man energy is so strong. Um, And, you know, and and so with that stuff, it's like, you know, you – like, it is this balance of, like, when to, I guess, you know, go hard and and push and, and kind of, I guess, reach for what you want there. But also there's times where you kind of honestly have to, like, not – coast is a bad word. Like, I don't know how to find the word to to for this, but it would be, like, just letting yourself recuperate and rebuild and – and not burn out and, and kind of also um, protecting yourself in some ways from, like you said, like any situation where it's going to put you back into a place where you get really hurt. And like, it's it's this weird balance that I don't really know. Like what, what is your thought about that in the sense of the balance between, you know, rest and, and fighting, I suppose.
1: I think that if we consider everything we do with, you know, and I think bringing up corporate life really helps bring this analogy to life, but If everything we do is a project, anyone who Mm. knows anything about project design (laughs) knows that there are phases where you have to schedule in the bit where you just sit down and watch what happens. And Mm. that for me is, you know, if we're going to do analysis, design, delivery, and then evaluation of everything we do, whether that's our daily tasks or whether that's a long-term goal that we've got. We think about what we're going to do. We figure out how we're going to do it. We do it and then we sit down and we just think, how did that go? And that's rest. That's how you engage with rest in a way that's productive because you can't move on to the next phase of a project and you can't move on to a new project without finalising the evaluation of the one before
0: it. So, oh, What an you- analogy.
1: <laughs> wow, I know. And also all of my project management colleagues um, at my actual job were going to be like, oh, April, we, we finally taught you something. <laughs> <laughs> um, amazing. I love it. Um, you know, and that's that's genuinely how I try to see it now. I struggle to rest. My calendar is this, then that, then this, then that, and then two days off. And in the two days off, I'm expected to parent and be a partner and have friendships and all of that. How do I do that? I don't know. I have ADHD probably (laughs) with a great deal of just kind of going every which way. But I think (laughs) when I look at those, those down times and go, okay, I am not the kind of person that gets joy from being alone for days at a time. I get bored. I get destructive. I just get kind of like, what am I going to do? This is not fun. I don't want to do this. I'm not the person who's going to take off and backpack around some sort of remote place for entertainment that's my idea of hell on earth but (laughs) truly but um you know what what brings me joy and what making choices about okay I know that if I go to this social activity or to this event you know knowing that I have um both a corporate job and then my role um in in online spaces as the Godzilla, um you know and I have had to that's probably one of the key things too is having to take both of my jobs seriously um Mm. and believe my that okay both of these things are work you know this is not a hobby you know the term side hustle has really screwed us up because it makes it sound like it's just a fun little silly goofy thing that you're doing it's like this is something I care about this is my passion so Mm -hmm. when you when you get to work in your passion and then of course because of the cosy lives you also have to have a day job (laughs) oh the cosy lives the the cosy lives um that I think being able to take yourself seriously enough to consider both of those things jobs and then going well if I have two jobs When am I rostered on for what? When am I expected to turn up for what? What are the requirements for me to do that? And how do I do everything that I want to do, everything that I need to do, and then all the other stuff, how does that fit into those two categories? Mm. And I think for a long time I thought rest was a want but I've realized that it's a need. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I had a significant mental health break last year, had to take time off my day job, um, and went and spent time with some friends and, and did some, you know, did a little bit of traveling, but also just resting and just laying on the couch. You know, I remember when I got COVID after fashion week last year, I was relieved. I was very sad because I was Mm. missing out on some events that I was booked in to do, but I was relieved. I couldn't leave the house for seven days. And so I didn't and I did nothing. And I was like, that was actually like pretty good. However, I must admit, I would not choose to do that again. Um, But it is wild that we do that
0: with sickness. Like it's like, oh, okay, I've got a cold. I I feel like I'm allowed to lie on the couch now for four days. Why can't we just do that sometimes when we mentally feel like we need it?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think I'm a victim of my own bullshit when it comes to how busy I I am. Like I think – um, you know, I know my my mum's a great one. She's like, you do too much. I'm like, I do as much as I want to do, Christine. And <laughs> that for me is kind of like, you know, I I know that I'm doing a lot of stuff. I don't foresee a future where I do less. I'd like to see a, a future where I do exactly what I want to do, and that, that some of that involves more rest and you know, productive rest, which is a weird term, but productive rest being where you take the time to go, what will bring me restorative feelings? You know, what will, Mm. is that a day in bed doing nothing, scrolling my phone, putting my phone into a lockbox and going for a walk and not allowing myself (laughs) to look at my phone? What, you know, it looks different every day. It looks different for everyone. But I think the idea of understanding that rest is productive, um, that your feelings about yourself are important in terms of what you can achieve but knowing also sometimes you're going to come across barriers that you can't overcome without a full change in society and realising that you can be part of that change but you're never going to, you know, enact that change alone and being like, Mm. do you know what? It's, it's more useful for me to fall back into the ranks and go, how do we change this over time than deciding I'm going to try to scramble up this wall on my own and falling down with my fingers bleeding um, because mm. that's the reality of going into those conversations can sometimes feel like a battle.
0: Yeah, wow, that's uh, another good analogy from you, the analogy queen. Thank you. Today. I <laughs> <laughs> that one really got me though. That's so true. Like falling back into the ranks versus like doing it alone. Like it is a mm. a group effort. We, in can't a lot of ways. Well, we can't all be Tom Cruise. Melissa <laughs> we can't all be Tom <laughs> Cruise. We can't all be Tom um, Cruise. Something I wanted to just touch on though um, before we wrap up is. You said like before you were going to go into that doctor's surgery, you'd put on a cute outfit, you felt amazing, you felt hot. And the thing is I actually feel like there are so many people that don't have that feeling and like that in and of itself is like a beautiful thing that I, I feel like you've really cultivated and like I think you are, you know, um, I, I also just love your fashion in general. It's always so like colourful and there's like this cool patterned pants and then this like amazing Like – you're very good at putting fashion together. But also you do always just look like you love what you're wearing and I think that there are people that don't have that feeling and I feel sad about that. And I guess I was going to ask like in terms of that, you know, internal confidence and, and, and how we speak to ourselves and, and getting that so that we can, you know – um, not hold ourselves back. Do you have any practical tips for people on cultivating that in yourself?
1: Absolutely. Tip number one: throw away clothes that don't fit you. And when I say throw away, I mm-hmm. mean just remove them from your house. Give them to a friend. Um, you know, sell them in a way that's hopefully planet friendly. Remove those clothes from your house because they are doing you no good. Um, mm. I think that's something that I once I started to go. If I pull that out of my cupboard and it doesn't fit me, I know that's not about me as a person. I know that the number mm. on that tag is not an indication of my value. Being able to go, I wear clothes that fit me. I wear clothes that feel good. I'm not going to make myself uncomfortable to look a certain way and I'm not going to focus my energy on trying to change myself to fit into a piece of clothing. So that's my first tip. Don't, don't keep clothes that don't fit you. Um, you wouldn't keep clothes that don't fit a child. No, that doesn't
0: make sense. It also reminds me of like I had a friend who I had this friend who was had this jumpsuit hanging on her wall that was like a size smaller than she was. This is in my 20s. And she was like, oh, Mm. yeah, because I'm that's that's my goal is to fit into that. And now I look back at that and I'm like, what was that? And we all thought that was normal. Mm. We thought that was normal. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a massive one.
1: I absolutely had those clothes in my wardrobe in the past. So relatable. Um, But uh, I think that's definitely, you know, you you mentioned someone earlier, you mentioned earlier in the conversation about someone who was fitting into something they wore when they were 18. Why do you want to look like an 18 year old? You're not 18. That's silly. And so I think if we try to be kinder to ourselves and realise being an adult shouldn't be an endless pursuit of going back to what it was like to be a child you know, in terms of our body shape, our body size, all of that. You know, I think it's really, it's really beautiful that to be able to change, you know, we've all seen that little illustration. It's a caterpillar and a butterfly. The caterpillar says to the butterfly, you've changed. And the butterfly's (laughs) like, I'd hope so. Like that's (laughs) the point. You're supposed to get better and better isn't thinner, isn't more youthful looking isn't defying age, defying Mm. gravity. Listen, if you're defying gravity, there's something weird going on with the planet. I think that (laughs) really, or you're in the cast of Wicked, I don't know, but I just think that people who strive to be less than they already are, you know, to go back in time, I want to be, you know, less this, less that, be more, you know, that's Mm. that to me and I think when you, you know, in lots of lots of people talk about you know less is more no in the case of life experiences and being you and who you are as a unique individual more is absolutely more um mm. you can't there's no one who is like you I don't I'm not going to quote Dr Seuss because he's weird but you know <laughs> there, there really isn't anyone who's going to bring what you bring to the people around you to your own life and I think practical tips to have the same you know, confidence, I'm using finger quotes, because um, I say that because it's not confidence necessarily that I'm trying to embody. Yes, mm-hmm. I, I want people to see what it looks like to believe in your own self-worth, but confidence isn't isn't the only thing that's part of that. I think people have strong belief systems in terms of religion, in terms of capitalism, in terms of diet culture. Why not have a strong belief system about your own self-worth? Why not mm. tell yourself every single day, I'm actually pretty fucking great. I'm actually yeah, yeah. an okay person or even just I am me and I can't do anything about the parts of me that I don't love but I can just say, well, what are you going to do?
0: Yeah, yeah, that's so interesting, like a belief in yourself over a confidence because a confidence is kind of almost like a, a superficial surface level thing I suppose but a belief is like that at your core you're going to wake up and you're like, no, I'm great, like I'm going out into this yeah. world and and then you radiate that really.
1: Yeah, I think having the belief is what gives me the confidence.
0: Yeah, you know,
1: I, I think I wake up in the morning and someone wants to say, like, this is a great example from um, a recent, a recent thing where um, I went to a film premiere. I got to meet some of the stars of the movie. One of them was like, "Really beautiful dress," and then the next person was like, "You're so beautiful." I was like, "What is even happening?" These global superstars just talking to me, and like, "Oh my god, you look great," and I was like, "Even that." even though I was like taken aback at that situation, I was sort of also like, I know, I tried really hard to look mm. as good as I look right now for you to give me that compliment because I believed that it was okay for me to wear this short dress. It was kind of revealing and not the traditional thing that I would have worn. 10 years ago, I would have been like, absolutely not, not going out in public dress like that. And now I'm like, look at me, I'm cute. And for you to say, wow, you look great. I'm like, I fucking know.
0: It was on purpose. <laughs> I meant to look amazing. Thank you for acknowledging yes. it. Yes,
1: like I think and that's, you know, taking compliments, that's probably my third thing. Yeah. You know, if I'm going to say get rid of clothes that don't fit you, um, really believe in yourself and work on that. It doesn't happen overnight. And the third thing for me is take a compliment. And if you don't know yeah. how to take a compliment, give someone a compliment and see how they react to it because when someone's like, you look amazing, don't go, oh, no, I'm really like eh. Just say thank you thanks. That's lovely. I appreciate it. Or just smile or just take that moment into yourself and feel how it makes you feel for someone to validate the fact that you were like, well, I did try to look a certain way. Someone's like, oh my God, your hair's so shiny. Yep. I'm using great hair products. Oh, your face has got a really great glow. Yep. My skincare routine is popping. Like whatever (laughs) it is. And if you, if you can, if you do have the wherewithal to say, yes, actually it's because this." You know, you might be sharing a really great tip with someone. Hey, I've started using a certain product, whatever it might be. Um, But also some of that that glow that people get when you give them a compliment is coming from Actually receiving the compliments, nothing to do with anything else. And I think being able to just go, "Thank you so much. I appreciate you noticing that about me. You know, your outfit looks great, amazingly coordinated accessories, whatever it is. Let's let's definitely skip talking to people about bodies in ways that make them feel, you know, like their body's on display or their body has expectations. But I think being able to tell someone that their skin looks flawless, that their smile makes you happy, um, that you really appreciate their skill to pair different textures to create an outfit that really the mind, whatever it is, just say, thank you.
0: Yeah. I've actually also feel like on the flip side of that, I also have been trying really hard to, to consciously like compliment people on, particularly on like fashion, because I constantly will stare at people in the street because I'm like wow I really like those pants or her dress looks amazing or like those shoes are so cool and then I when people stare at me I always go to the negative I'm like what what's wrong with me and and then I think that's part of that you know internal dialogue where you just go like something's wrong with you obviously because why else would they be staring at you and so I do this thing where I'll just be like even like I'm talking more about strangers I think it's easier to compliment like a friend but it's it's very yeah Again, it's a very vulnerable thing to like just speak to a stranger in our modern society and so I'll just be like, hey, like your dress looks amazing and oh my gosh, the look on people's faces and then you just know because you know when it happens to you that that has made their day. Their whole day, great Mm -hmm. because somebody Mm that they didn't know – like, made that effort to say, Hey, you look really great today. And I think that, yeah, we have so much power in those little tiny words. And, and, um, yeah, and, and definitely like the compliment thing. There was this period of my life where I was really, really like un- unable to take a compliment, particularly in a work setting. Like, I found work settings really hard to take compliments. And I would just be like, Oh, no, no, like, you know, and, and that so reaffirms this like low self esteem within us to, to, to push back against that. Like instead just leaning into it is so much more healthy.
1: Absolutely. And I think, um, you know, talking about giving other people compliments, it's my favourite, literally favourite activity is to just – be walking along and be like, your hair looks amazing, by the way. Um, the amount of people who who just light up and you think, yeah, that's nice. And I would say also when you build on that belief system about yourself, you will start to notice that you don't think that person's staring at you for a negative reason. Mm. You might start to notice someone's looking at you and be like, I'm looking at you and I can see what you're wearing and you're looking at what I'm wearing and you're thinking that looks hot because yeah. we truly <laughs> have great taste. Um, and I And it. I think why not just assume that everyone is as gracious as you are until they prove Mm. that they're not. I think that is probably one of the things about me as a person, that my optimism allows me to engage with beliefs, positive beliefs about myself, but that didn't come without work. So I think even if you're not a naturally optimistic person like I am, you can still work on those beliefs being true for you.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say like I think that we really lack that optimism Socially, And like I think often that leads to those real like instant negative responses to each other. And it's like, yeah, if you go in and it's like, I'm just going to assume that you, you know, have good intentions with that random look in the street. Um, And then if you prove me otherwise, then that's a whole different conversation we're going to be having. But, you know, like, you know, like we don't need to to think that negatively. Yeah. No.
1: Yeah. Just assume, assume the best of everyone. Assume that everyone is as nice a person as you are. Um, And then see how that changes your changes your day.
0: Oh, I've loved this conversation. This has been like a little ray of sunshine of the day. (laughs) Um, Thank you so much for coming on Love Rants. Um, I have loved having you on here. Uh, I think everyone else listening would agree. Um, Tell everyone where they can find you and follow you because I think that they should. Absolutely.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I am on the internet as at the Bodzilla. So anything else, it's got to be fake.
0: <laughs> and thanks again for listening, everybody. And we will see you next week with another episode.
1: Bye. Bye bye.
0: Thank you for tuning into Sugar's Love Rants. Join us again next week as we navigate the vulnerability, embarrassment and preciousness of love and self-love. Follow yuli.com.au on Instagram and TikTok to stay up to date on all things women's health.